What's going on in the news? Of course, we've got the big race for the uh, Conservative Party leadership. And yesterday, uh, uh, the perceived front runner, Pierre Polyev, called Patrick Brown a liar. And then Patrick Brown fired back at him, and already we're getting to the sniping. And to talk more about that, I am pleased to uh, welcome back to the program Steve Pakin, who is the host of The Agenda on TVO. Always good to be with you, Alan. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for asking. Uh, right out of the gate, the conservative leadership race, getting a bit nasty. Pierre Poliev calling Patrick Brown a liar, and then Brown striking back on social media. What does this tell you about the kind of race we're in for? I think it tells you everything <laughs> about the kind of race we're in for. Uh, I, you know, if, if, if anybody thought that this race was going to happen without a lot of mudslinging and with a lot of getting down in the gutter and by following the markers of Queensbury rules, they have certainly been disabused of that before this race has barely got started. Uh, I noted on the weekend on Sunday morning, I went out to Brampton and I watched the Patrick Brown leadership entry uh, event. And even before it had started, uh, Pierre Polyev was already on social media uh, with, with a pretty devastating video showing uh, what he would perceive to be a flip-flop on the carbon tax issue as it relates to Patrick Brown's previous positions when he was leader of the Ontario PC. So um, let the games begin, I guess. Hmm. You know, one of my favorite terms in politics is stalking horse. I'd never heard this before I, I became Queen's Park Bureau Chief. And, and what I understand it to mean is a, a candidate who is drawing attention for a different candidate or, you know, has different intentions of running um, than just winning. And I'm not suggesting that Patrick Brown isn't trying to win, but is he a stalking horse for Jean Charest? I don't think so, but I also understand why people would make that allegation. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Patrick Brown, when he was a teenager, had a poster of Jean Charest on his bedroom wall. I think many of us have seen that photo on Twitter over the last week or so. Um, you know, he admired Charest. Charest was his first political hero. So the notion that he will have to fight off those who are saying, you're just running in order to give Charest a boost, well, that's something he's going to have to deal with. But the reality is this. Mr. Charest has been out of public life for 10 years. No one's really sure how much of an organization he can put together in the next two and a half months to sign up enough people to be competitive. Patrick Brown, <laughs> look, at he's got an organization. People well know he's got an organization. Uh, he managed to win the Ontario PC Party leadership back in 2015 when he was an MP federally, right? Had no time at Queen's Park at all. Won for the mayor of Brampton. Uh, in 2018, when he didn't even live in the city and he was running against an incumbent, and now he's running for the Conservative Party leadership. So he's got an organization. Now, whether it can be a national organization, whether he can sign up enough new members in order to overcome the lead that Pierre Poiliev is presumed to have, that's what we're going to watch unfold in the next several months. I'm speaking with Steve Pakin of uh, TVO. Uh, your piece on TVO.org talks about that fateful night uh, that the CTV report came out. And I think what's what is sometimes missed in the conversation that is in your piece, obviously, too, is is how Brown handled that moment. Obviously, there's a lot of fault to be placed on the reporting, but that press conference and how quickly his staff abandoned him mid conference and his inability to hold his caucus together and say, no, I'm going to stay and fight. I, I think that's part of the conversation, too. Alan, I agree with you. It was a comedy of errors, except there was nothing funny about it. CTV's reporting was bad. They have acknowledged it was bad. They have uh, 
I guess the lawyers have hammered out the appropriate language to acknowledge uh, their culpability in this case. But you're also right that Patrick Brown, who I guess at the time was in his high 30s, was not was not comfortable enough in his own skin, was not confident enough in his position in the PC party at the time, had no allies in caucus at all. Uh, I think only one, I think only one had uh, endorsed him for the leadership. And as a result, um, he didn't have whatever it took in order to push back against those who wanted him out and to stick around. He's a different guy now. He's, as I say, won the mayor of of Brampton in the interim and now is a more confident, comfortable guy in his own skin. Uh, He's certainly been resilient. He has taken a punch and got back up again. So, um, you know, as I say, we'll see how this all unfolds this time. But I wouldn't disagree with your characterization uh, that there was lots of blame to go around uh, back in January of 2018. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think we can all admit that uh, Brown has, like, as you mentioned, that organizational capacity, which really I think we'll have to watch over the course of the summer. Now, for you and I, political junkies as we are, this is this is manna from heaven. We got a conservative leadership <laughs> race and we're about to embark on a provincial election. Uh, that's going to be exciting. I, I, it's always tough to kind of gauge pre-rip drop you know, where the public is. But do you have a sense if there is a single ballot question that that will dominate the election campaign? Well, I'm glad you put the caveat at the beginning of that, because the reality is we don't know. We can guess. You know, my hunch is it's got to be something like, do you like the way the Ford government has handled the pandemic? Essentially, that's that's probably going to be top of mind. Um, you know, Alan, every election, you know this, we've seen enough of them uh, over the years. Every election basically starts with, do we want these guys back? And if enough people want these guys back, then they come back. If a lot of people don't want these guys coming back, as was the case in 2018, right? The electorate at that time mm. had overwhelmingly decided they did not want the liberals back. Well, then you start kicking the tires on the other parties. And we saw in 2018, they kicked the tires on the NDP. Alan, you remember the NDP was in first place in the polls for a while at the beginning of that campaign? the people took a look at them. Ultimately, yeah. they decided they didn't like that, and they went for Doug Ford and the progressive conservatives instead. So the first question, it seems to me, will be uh, on June the 2nd, and frankly throughout May during the course of the campaign, will be, has Doug Ford done a good enough job managing COVID and everything else to warrant coming back? And uh, once you know the answer to that question, uh, the rest of it gets a lot easier after that. Can you fact, fact check this for me, uh, Steve? No Ontario provincial party other than Bob Ray has lost power after winning a majority after like, well, one, one and done majority and done. Uh, not quite Bob Ray in 1995 was ousted after one term. Just other than Ray. EC Drury in 1923 for the United (laughs) Farmers of Ontario. (laughs) He was also a one and done premier. Uh, and Kathleen Wynne, I guess, technically gets in this category too, because she was, elected to her one and only term in 2014 and then lost again in 2018. But of course, that was at the end of 15 years of liberals. So if you're looking for one party elected to the premiership and then tossed out, it's only really those two examples. So yes, Ontarians, if you are lucky enough to win a first term, generally give you a second term. That is a historical accuracy. Steve, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Great to talk with you. Always a pleasure, Alan. Call again if you like. <laughs> okay, Steve Bacon <laughs> of TVO, St. Steve. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye.
Always great to talk to Steve. Uh, he is a walking encyclopedia of Ontario politics, so it's great to get that fact checked. But that is an important thing to keep in mind when you're trying to predict what's going to happen this June when we get to the June election, is that by and large, except for those examples that Steve pointed out, if you win a majority, generally, you're not chucked out on your ear after just one mandate.